Scott turns to T-Bob, advising him to aim better, with T-Bob replying that he's not mechanically inclined. I guess the uh, controls were more important than T-Bob at this point. I guess so. Well, actually, yeah, because Rhino's a lot more valuable than T-Bob's quirks. I'm just saying. And Miles tells him to go and disable their vehicles just in case. Uh, now, I like this. This is some smart yeah. thinking by him. Computer, scan files. Select mask agents best suited for this mission. Jason Gross, radio broadcaster, retro gamer, blogger, mask movie co-writer, vehicle codename 6000, 80 screw skills critical, Wyatt Bloom, broadcast technician, DJ, critic, mask movie co-writer, vehicle codename Phoenix, 80s analysis vital. Personnel approved. Assemble Mobile Armored Strike Command. Welcome, agents, to MassCast 61, which continues Season 5 of the podcast of reviewing Episodes 41 to 50 of the Mask Animated Series. On this show, we'll be breaking down Episode 46, Secret of the Stones, which will include our usual play-by-play commentary, along with audio clips mixed in from the actual episode. We'll take a break at the dramatic halfway point and at the finale of the episode to give our opinions and rate using our one to five scale system. After we've completed our review, we'll read back listener comments as well as the results of our poll, which you can find by visiting our website, agentsofmask.com and looking for the MassCast assignment in the right-hand column. We cordially invite you to participate before each podcast or by joining us for our live Google Hangout recording session, like many of you are right now. We typically post a link to the Hangout a few hours in advance on our social media, so if you miss it, you can always watch us by connecting with the Agents of Mask YouTube channel, as it's always posted there after the show. Secret of the Stones was originally broadcast on December 2nd, 1985 in the U.S., and features Venom going after a mystery stone that contains a power to make objects weightless. It's up to Mask to stop them from obtaining these powers in a showdown near the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico. I'm Jason, one of your hosts of MaskCast, and with me as always is my longtime friend and fellow co-host, the Wally Carew to my David Lyons. Wyatt, did you know that Fuzzy Wuzzy was a woman? <laughs> oh, <laughs> such a riot and such a one of the well, that's probably one of the few mo- movies I actually watched of him. But a very, very nice send off for uh, beloved for Gene Wilder, yes, Gene Wilder. So, yeah. in case you aren't aware of that movie that he just spat out. And the movie was See No Evil, Hear No Evil. And we, in our high school days, watched that, and we could not stop rolling 
almost throughout the whole movie and we still i mean we watch it anyway i'm quite sure now but we still like everything else in nostalgic in our era we seem to spat out lines to each other and when we heard about yeah. gene wilder's parting that's all we did texting lines from the movie what what do you think you're doing yeah. uh, i don't know i'm blind but my instructor said to fill around and see what happening <laughs> That's, we just there, there are very few. <laughs> there are very few that we can repeat uh, on this uh, <laughs> show that's clean on iTunes. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, just looking through all the comments and the the uh, tribute articles last week, and you know, people remember Willy Wonka, Blazing Saddles, uh, Young Frankenstein, and. I'm sitting here. I said the the movie I've seen the most of his is "See No Evil, Hear No Evil," which it seemed like it was on the background every time we were hanging out uh, over at your They're house. Yes, or "Armed <laughs> and Dangerous." It might That's have been on good. the same uh, the same tape that you <laughs> recorded off HBO or Showtime or wherever you got it. But that movie just it it launched me into watching the other uh, Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor movies. Which are most are pretty good, but uh, yeah, there's just so many one-liners in that that we still use to this day. <laughs> yeah. uh, that and um, like you mentioned earlier, Blazing Saddles. I mean, that, that was uh, yeah. I, I I remember I was in a and work and this was wow, oh one or oh two, and I still remember this day. My one of my coworkers was coming up to me. And he did exactly the Blazing Saddles bit, and he didn't even know he did it. And he says, he said something about his head. Look at me, look at my hand. It's just, it, it seems, it's very solid, right? I said, yeah. But you shoot with this one, right? He goes, I cannot <laughs> believe, he, he rolled for like a good minute, and then he was like, I cannot believe he pulled that off. I'm like, to be honest, I didn't think I'd be that quick to, to equip one off, so, you know. <laughs> or like, uh, like I we used to do, our video game on head yeah yeah it was uh i remember actually watching blazing saddles uh i was visiting you on spring break while i was at college mm -hmm. and you were uh, at scott air force base and that's right <laughs> i don't know i don't know how that sticks out but i remember watching that and yeah rolling on the floor you know the campfire scene and uh yeah. <laughs> somebody's got to go back and get us a load of dimes you know <laughs> there's so many good ones in that movie too or, uh, the, or the dude that can't you can't understand <laughs> so well for gene wilder fans i know there a, a couple of those movies were in theaters last weekend and they're actually re-releasing mm -hmm. young frankenstein i think in early october at uh amc so yes those of you who uh Want to go check that out? It'll be out there. But uh, let's uh, let's switch from our uh, <laughs> our blind and deaf days here to uh, to mask and let's get our mask on. Get your mask on. Well, uh, since we last you know did a podcast, we got some uh, new images, courtesy IDW and Comic Book Resources, that showcased the first cover of the mass comic series coming in November. 
In fact, uh, at one point, I thought our website was going to blow up. <laughs> because, Which is great for us. I mean, that was awesome. Well, and it was unexpected, too. But uh, after I found those uh, covers on uh, – it was on Comic Book Resources. I quickly put a post together for our website and IDW's official Facebook page and Twitter. And, of course – the writer, Brandon Easton, on both, I think, his Facebook and Twitter, shared uh, the link to our website. And we very nearly equaled the website hits of our best month in just one day. I mean, it was just insane. You know, for a fan site that's, I guess you would say, relatively obscure, our beloved Mask uh, 80s franchise, 40,000 hits on one article was very exciting. <laughs> Let me just tell you. To say the least. I don't know what the final tally, you know, was, but I mean, it was just amazing. The, uh, the people that were getting pushed over that way. And then, you know, the sharing and most of them came through Facebook and uh, say thanks to IDW and to Brandon for, you know, sharing our link. And then also for everybody who kept sharing and there was a lot of comments too. <laughs> I mean, good and bad. And you know, everybody's got their opinion on this. And we've, we talked about that in a you know previous chat, I believe with Eric, once they released the first uh, character designs and images for the new comic, some very, very strong opinions both ways on this. Um, and I think we're still, if I'm not going to speak for you, but I want to say we're both kind of still in the middle on this until we actually get our hands on a comic and see what it's all about. You're you right. Know, I'm, I'm, uh, I guess I'm leaning more on the positive. I'm still, I guess I'm really excited to see what it's going to be like. I have a lot of high hopes for it, but I'm like you, I'm really on the fence. Cause I don't know. I don't know if they screwed it up or if they've got a, a added a nice touch twist to it. That's, we can grasp and say, yeah, let's roll with this. Let's, let's keep it going. Yeah. So I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, I guess you'll say. Mm -hmm. I like some of the things I've seen so far. And uh, I mean, if you really wanted to nitpick it to death, you probably could. People got some pretty strong opinions about leaving Scott and T-Bob out, you know, that sort of thing. But um, I think it's been pretty clear from the beginning that, they're kind of going a new direction with the origin and making it more gritty and more uh, modern away from the, I don't want to say cheesiness, but just the, well, we know we've, we've reviewed now. Well, we will review 46 episodes tonight. And there's just that, uh, that level of the, the jokes and the campiness almost of the show that, I don't know, would work in modern age. But, you know, if this comic goes a uh, half dozen issues and maybe they decide to do a classic series and, you know, pick up where they left off in 1987 or 86, wherever, you know, that could happen as well. But <laughs> I definitely want to give the new comic uh, a chance and, 
everybody should just go out and, and basically supporting you're supporting the franchise too. Right. It's not just the writer or the you know the artists. Um, you are, but it's also supporting a franchise that's been dormant for uh, nearly thirty years. So that's it. Anyway, it's exciting. Um, I'm constantly looking for new covers. <laughs> I know there's a few more. You know they're going to release for the first issue, and then we've seen some new covers sneak up on us for this uh, Mask Revolution comic that comes out at the end of this month in September, which will uh, tell us a little bit about the origin of Mask and moving forward into their actual series in November. So, uh, very exciting time. Also wanted to give a quick shout to our pal Jose, who is the uh, admin over at the Mask P&A Facebook group. And uh, he got his hands on several copies of the prelude comic for revolution and he's giving away several of those throughout the month of september so facebook and search for mask pna you'll find the group pretty easily and you can request to join and then uh he's been throwing out trivia questions he gives you a little heads up of when the question is coming and then if you're the first person to answer correctly you'll win the comic this is the issue that is currently available. If you go over to IDW's website and you can download it for free. I think it's also, you can download it or I, I know I've, I've downloaded it through the uh, IDW app. So if you'll download that, you can find the, uh, the prelude issue uh, available now, but um, I'm not sure if it's readily available in comic book shops or not, but uh, Jose has been kind enough to, uh, to be doing some giveaways, uh, mainly since we got Mask Day coming up too later this month. That's true. So we got the uh, 31st anniversary of the show on September 30th, I want to say, yes. is what we determined. So what else do you got? I think you stole my thunder. Not that I usually I did. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> now, now, I'm going to, I am going to foot stomp. You know, we, we want to foot, um, really support the effort for mask. You know, we like, like Jason said, this, this franchise has been relatively dormant uh, as far as mainstream, basically since its demise, unfortunately. And with the resurgence, with the help of all the websites, all the fans, that's what's, I believe is, is percolating this activity. And this is where, like I said a, a few times before that, if we don't support it, it's going to go away and we're going to lose masks for who knows how long again. So even if you yeah. really hate the ideas or what's going on, give it a fair shot, go down, get a comic book and see what it's about. If nothing else, pay the three, five bucks, whatever they're charging. And, um, you know, show the interest that we're there. We want mass to be rejuvenated yeah, uh, so we can get our franchise back basically. And especially for the, the mask revolution issue at the end of the month. And then the first issue coming out in November, you know, there's a lot of collectors out there and you know, this is official <laughs> mask stuff. Um, and the, the uh, variant covers have been great. Uh, a lot of classic looks and I'm just, I'm curious to see, what's actually going to be inside the books and how the new vehicles look and, and so forth. But yeah, I mean, go out and support 
you know, the initial run, if it's not for you, that's fine. Uh, it might not be for me. And I hope we'll get a chance to uh, get uh, some of our friends back on once the comic does come out. We can dissect it a little bit more and, and kind of go through that. I'm also hoping, I did reach out to Tony Vargas, who is the artist for the Mask series coming in November. And uh, he's looking into a possibility of coming on this show, uh, maybe with Brandon uh, sometime in the near future, hopefully before the actual comic comes out. I'm hoping maybe after (laughs) we get a look at the new mask in this uh, revolution one-off book. uh, So we can talk a little bit about that. And the, you know, I want to see, I want to talk about the vehicles and the designs and stuff. And I want to be able to chat with these guys and them not be uh, totally handcuffed (laughs) for uh, what they're able to release and what they're not able to release. But, um, yeah, just, you know, give it a fair shot like Wyatt said, and, um, you know, we can all discuss and we'll definitely uh, keep everybody's opinion up on our social media. If you go over the edge, I'm going to remove it. I'm just going to be honest with you. And, you know, that line is pretty well, uh, people know where that line is. We don't need the racist stuff. We don't need the excessive language and stuff like that. But right. uh, I definitely do want to hear both sides of the story. And uh, I'm definitely not going to keep people from, you know, if, if we love it and they hate it, I'm not going to keep the people's opinion at bay. I want everybody to uh, to get their voice out there. But just be mindful and polite to uh, other fans in the community. And right. uh, these guys that had this idea, you know, that Hasbro and IDW bought into – um, you got to give them a little bit of credit too for coming up with the idea and for the two companies to come alongside them and want to publish it. I mean, that means something mm-hmm. in this day and age. So whether you like it or not, again, it's we need to give it its fair shot first and then uh, dissect it after it comes out. But right. Anyway, um, is that going to do it for you then, sir? That is it. And I well, believe that's let's segment. get on with it then. That's right. Let's start the mascot. We eerily fade up on a moonlit night in what appears to be a jungle scene with the animal noises and an explorer is walking through and he ends up coming upon the Mayan ruins. This individual turns and sees a native man and his son approaching and ducks behind a part of the ruins. The Aborigine states that the time has come and looks to the boy to begin. This boy incredibly lifts this two, maybe three foot square, hewed out stone over his head and begins juggling it like a little juggling ball uh, with the explorer looking on in amazement. We cut to T-Bob and Scott playing Frisbee at the Tractor Mansion, with T-Bob ridiculously spinning the discus as Rhino pulls up. Sorry, Alex. We almost clobbered you. Quite all right. No harm done. 
Is your dad waiting for us? Yeah, he's down in the command center. Thank you. We know the command center's down. Don't know if it's downstairs, in the basement, but we know it's down. Uh, Scott turns to T-Bob, advising him to aim better, with T-Bob replying that he's not mechanically inclined, which was actually a comical little joke. <laughs> I laughed. Yeah, yeah, that was a pretty good joke. Yeah, I would. when I think of the command center, I'm thinking back room or I don't know. There seems to be uh, maybe a section of the mansion that's mm-hmm. kind of cut off and dedicated to that. And obviously he has to go down that elevator to get to the, uh, to go to Boulder Hill. Right. So that sounds about right. I kind of like this opening, the, uh, the jungle and the ruins and this uh, explorer who I think I wrote the same thing in my notes where he kind of looks on in amazement mm-hmm. and then the, you know, where we're going with him in just a few minutes here. I like the way this, this episode opened up. Right. Same here. I was actually intrigued and was actually looking forward to it. Not like one or two episodes would go where we were, for me, at least I was going, okay, are we getting somewhere with this story? Right. Right. So, we are now inside the command center. Matt briefs them, stating that one of my companies is looking for oil in the Yucatan Peninsula, and they found some very unusual features on the satellite photo. Strange. This is a very powerful burst of electromagnetic energy. Hondo adds that it's coming from a man-made rectangular area where he asks, what is it? Matt replies that it is a mystery. It doesn't appear on any maps. Then he adds that it's the size of a city and it isn't supposed to be there. Alex suggests that it's uh, a mystery that Matt Tracker would investigate, and Matt basically adds the third person here, says he might. (laughs) We now fade up on the jungle village with our illustrious Venom theme fading up. And we zoom into one of these huts. The uh, explorer that we saw in the first scene is uh, telling his story to Mayhem, and Vanessa and Rax and Dagger are all in this hut. Yep, that little kid could lift them giant stones like they was balloons. And as soon as I seen it, I says, that's something you'd want to know about. This is a map I made of the place. And he hands Mayhem a map, and Mayhem offers him a briefcase full of money in return. The uh, explorer says goodbye and exits the hut with the money. I think he refers to and says, this will buy a lot of coffee beans or something. Yes, Uh, that's what he said. (laughs) I I like this, that... uh, we get to see a little bit of uh, Venom's network. We know that they had some uh, people, minions, I guess I'll call them, <laughs> uh, working for Mayhem. But I like that uh, he's got actually people working for him and feeds him information. Right. I was impressed, though, that they actually give him money. And he mm-hmm. lets it go. It's not... There's no joke about oh he won't he won't realize it's counterfeit or something like that or there's no hey you didn't finish the job you moron there's nothing who is gladly giving him the case of money he's done so I was yeah. really kind of surprised and almost taken aback that that's he let that happen yeah that is a little bit out of character because he's all about double crossing that's it. So now turning to Mayhem, Rax gripes that they'll probably be staying in this crummy jungle for a while longer. Vanessa asks what's eating him, 
and he says, what isn't? <laughs> He's <laughs> never seen so many beasts in one place. And we see a spider crawl onto him, and he shakes it off. Vanessa gets a good laugh, and Dagger tries to figure out what their play is or what they're going to do. So uh, we can move these big rocks, and we can take the pyramids apart and get all the treasure they probably put in them, right? I'm not interested in treasure. What I want is the power that makes the rocks weightless. We could start a rock juggling act in a circus. We could, just for starters, lift Fort Knox from its foundation and carry the whole thing off. Now that'd be pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> They'll all give their best uh, sinister laugh for after this <laughs> little scene here, which was kind of comical, actually. <laughs> uh, but we fade back into the moonlight, and uh, there's some really good transitions, I thought, in this episode. We see the older man and the kid again among the ruins, and the older man says it's time to show the secret of the stones. He lifts a large rectangular stone now uh, from the ground, and he wedges it open with a log, and they follow these stairs underground as Mayhem now looks on with binoculars and his viper mask. Mm -hmm. Now, this was something that I know we've seen before, and I know we... I seem to remember, at least in our movie script, we gave their masks somewhat of a upgrade where, you know, you can have that long distance vision without having to hold up binoculars in right. front of a mask. You know, it seems kind of dumb when you think about it, but uh, obviously Spectrum has several sight capabilities, but I wanted to say that we kind of gave this little upgrade to pretty much every mask in our script, but I couldn't recall Right offhand. I believe we did some basics like zooming like, and, and other things like that in a spotlight. But and communicating was, too. Right. And then but there were still differences that we we did with the script. Uh, I think we did something with the mix, you know, if you added electric to mm -hmm. the power, it did one thing. If you did added water to it, it did the x ray. If it did whatever yeah. substance you mixed with it gave it its unique capability. Yeah, that's yeah, what we did with our sounds, script. Yeah, sounds about right. It was kind of odd to see him with the binoculars on his mask. I mean, really, <laughs> I can you tune in anyway? Are you? You? I would think your mask is. I don't know if it's very clear on the video, but yeah, you yeah. think the mask would be at least a, you know two inches away from your your eyes, right? Right. And right. Then you're still there. Heck, I know my gas mask. I mean, even even my gas mask bubble is about two inches away. Yeah. Anyway. So after Mayhem sees them crawl into this uh, staircase that goes underground, he signals his agents and they run up to the entrance. He uh, grabs the stone and sees that he can move it without really much effort at all. Fantastic! Vanessa, guard this entrance! He, uh, Rax, and Dagger all enter. And it seemed weird that he asked Vanessa to guard the entrance. Uh, I don't see her as kind of the muscle, you no, know? but... Rax fell asleep that one time on the on the canyon, Tillman's Gorge. So and, and yeah, and Dagger's dumb as a doornail. So uh, even dumber sometimes. It, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I always see Vanessa as his kind of second in command, and she's usually with him when uh, when they're doing. Anyway, right. Uh, now we head back over to Mask at their camp in the jungle, where they have this huge bonfire. Is what it looked like to me. 
Uh, it's probably mm -hmm. the scale wasn't right, but it looked like a freaking bonfire. <laughs> uh, wonder how long the weenie stick had to bid. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, with Alex suggesting that they will make it to the site, uh, the dig basically tomorrow morning, we get a viewpoint from under Rhino, which was actually very good. We get to see the axle underneath mm -hmm. with Scott climbing into the cab where he finds T-Bob and asks if he's ever getting out of this truck. Are you kidding? Do you realize what's in this jungle? Pythons, tarantulas, scorpions, cheetahs, gibbons. I'm staying in here where it's safe. Now, don't disturb my reading. T-Bob. Great yellow belly chicken mode has engaged. Um... <laughs> He then slams the door, and as he says, don't disturb my reading, he holds the passenger door shut, and then a monkey just you know, happens to climb in on the driver's side, where T-Bob actually goes ape and shouts, monkey attack! I actually thought that was hilarious. And then uh, the monkey cleverly locks the doors and pounces on T-Bob as Matt walks up and asks what's happening. What happened? There's a monkey in there with T-Bob, and the door's locked! This is no time for monkey business. Rhino's controls might be damaged. T-Bob, get that monkey out of there. Use your head. Oh, I can't. He's using it. I guess the uh, controls were more important than T-Bob at this point. I guess so. Well, actually, yeah, because Rhino's a lot more valuable than T-Bob's quirks. I'm just saying. <laughs> and we know he's helping but, uh, go with like bubble gum and stuff like that. So <laughs> and popcorn and everything else. But, uh, T-Bob then replies as the monkey is banging on the drum all day. That's a good thing. It's going to get in your mind now. Uh, <laughs> Hondo suggests the ejector seat, saying he could launch him. Back inside the cab, we, the monkey is at the wheel, while T-Bob, for whatever reason, does not make sense, but he's standing on his head, saying, <laughs> if you can't lick him, launch him. So T-Bob hits the button and ends up ejecting himself, which, <laughs> even though it was kind of hilarious, that was actually a very cool scene because we actually get to see the ejector seat on Rhino function on the cartoon. Yes. Yes. I was very pleased to see that. And it being an actual part of the toy, you know, even though this was used in a silly manner, I thought it was fun that they incorporated that. Yeah. Yeah. Then this essentially spooks the monkey off. We then see T-Bob hanging in some vines and Matt commends him on his brilliant idea to scare him away without harming the monkey. Wasn't he worried about the controls initially? But, yeah, right. Uh, so T-Bob replied that he had high hopes for it. We're taken back into the... Yeah, that was a roll of your eyes moment. <laughs> We're taken back inside the tunnels where we see the native father who tells his son that Tomorrow night we shall come back and I shall explain the history of the power. Why not explain it now? We'd all like to hear. So, always there are seekers of the power. Be gone, or the coming sun will trap you here. Dagger walks in and says that his sun looks a little small. Yep, his brilliance <laughs> just shines right about now. I was uh, laughing at that. I thought that was funny. Then we transition outdoors when the night fades and the sun begins to shine. Uh, right, and then the stone lid to the passage begins to slip off the log, and we see Vanessa trying to keep it from closing and says it's getting heavier. And now I'm beginning to understand what the power is and what controls it. 
Um, she calls to Mayhem to get out, but the weight is finally too much and closes her inside it. After somewhat knocking her out, we see, you know the, the screen is a little blurry there for a minute. Uh, she looks up and sees the other agents. Vanessa! Vanessa! What happened? Somebody jump you? The guy must have another son! We speak of the sun in the sky, not of a child. Oh! Vanessa says the rock got as heavy as a rock, and that they are now stuck down there. Mayhem warns the old man not to play games, but he tells Mayhem that now he's got a whole day to learn about the power because it only comes with the full moon and it won't return until obviously the next night. So we uh, cut back over to Mask. Rhino is making a path in the jungle. I would have loved to see the uh, battering ram grill right here, uh, but they didn't use it, you know, kind of to make their way or make their own uh, road in the jungle. But um, they arrive at the ruins with Scott in amazement. Alex says it's an ancient Mayan city and that the points on the satellite photo are actually ancient pyramids. Now, from the driver's seat, Matt instructs his uh, quote-unquote tour guide to uh, take him there. And uh, they arrive at one of the stones with uh, Alex saying there is no energy readings now. What do you suppose the Mayans use this for? The ancient pool table? More likely a central well or decorative fountain. Come on, let's set up camp. Well, then uh, we cut to later that night. T-Bob sees energy beams coming out of Matt's fountain as the agents crawl out of the tent. Alex suggests that the energy flares are coming from some underground chamber. Hondo thinks there might be a way to get there through the pyramids. So while the agents have a look, Scott determines, eh, it's a good time to practice Frisbee again. And uh, after Scott compliments T-Bob on a good throw, T-Bob asks what the large round stone with the pictures are for. Scott tells him that Alex believes they are calendars, which T-Bob joking, talk about making a heavy date, rolling my eyes, number two. Scott tells him to throw the Frisbee one more time and runs away. And as he stops, he gives T-Bob the okay to go ahead and throw it. T-Bob does his little discus spin again and bumps the giant rock calendar. Well, now it starts to fall on him. T-Bob, look out! I'll throw it back over to you, sir, and what your impressions were so far of the episode in the first half. Well, actually, I'm very intrigued with, with the episode. I really like where, where they're going with this plot. We see this this really odd, to us it would be an odd scene, but for Mask, you know, I guess nothing's too odd. But we see a child lifting these heavy rocks with uh, the greatest of ease and with these energy sp- readings spiking the interest of Matt enough to invite Hondo and Alex to go investigate this. We see the hint for Tracker Oil in the conversation. Mm-hmm. And we get the viewpoint from the rafters, uh, which was a nice touch with the Explorer. We get the Explorer being kind of a good agent or narc <laughs> in this yeah. scene. Uh, that was actually a nice touch, especially an out-of-character touch like we talked about where he actually got paid off and there was no nothing, there no counterfeit, no, no nothing was said about it. The plot, like I said, was great. 
uh, in that Miles is trying to use the power to be able to get at Fort Knox and essentially everything else, uh, be able mm-hmm. to just steal things at, at whim. Uh, to me, there was a great do- deal of storytelling throughout the first half of this, but I liked it because you got to, to see the story build and why, uh, at least at least how yeah. I interpreted it. I did like the axle view from underneath Rhino. I like, I like when they actually look at completely different viewpoints. I, I enjoy that. Yeah, um, they're, they're very obviously. creative with uh, all that, the setups. And that was one of the things that I really thought stood out, at least in the first half, was those setup shots and sweeping shots. Um, I've captured several panoramas from this episode. If you're over at our Facebook page and Twitter this past week, posted over there, there was just so many great just side-to-side shots and uh, viewpoints throughout. Right. The tunnel scene and the reason for getting trapped was a very good, uh, very good story. The, I guess what made me a little, the text is probably the best way to put it. The text were, why was T-Bob upside down in Rhino? Didn't make sense. Uh, maybe the monkey flipped him upside down, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't really pay any um, mind to that. The other one was that it, it kind of stuck out with me. If you looked at Rhino's, Artistry, how it was drawn, at least when they did the front end shots, to me it was just odd. It was different. It was like there was a lot thicker grill, a bumper. It was just, to me, it was just hmm. drawn wrong. So I knocked it down a little bit for that. And this commercial break, to me, was just, they could have set it up a lot better. To me, it was really lackluster. It wasn't a good scene to me. Yeah. Um, but for that, I'm at a solid 4.5 with everything. How about you? Okay. Yeah, I don't even have enough to even knock it down a half point for me. I was still at around a five. Talking about the 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 drama at the break, you know, they revealed the uh, what the power was maybe a bit early, and it basically just telegraphed that you know, T-Bob wasn't going to get crushed because the stones weren't heavy at all. So that drama was kind of easy to decipher, like you said. And maybe had they uh, not totally revealed that. But I I don't know. Now that I think about it, you know, it had gotten to the point where the stone came crushing down on Vanessa. So I don't know. Maybe it should have crushed him. Uh, just based on the time of day it was. But right. anyway, we'll get to that once we uh, get back with the episode. But um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was really good. Um, there was a couple roll my eyes moments that you know, I mentioned, but I thought the humor was mainly a lot better. Mm-hmm. The mechanically inclined thing, I thought that was a great line. And then, of course, Dagger mixing up son and son, you know, I thought that fit his personality well. Yeah, I you know like you, I like that Venom employs people outside of the organization to feed them information. It kind of gives some insight on how they decide, you know, which treasures and artifacts to go after. You know, I I think there was uh, maybe it was even just the last episode where I was like, well, how did they find out about the artifact and what was going on? You know, it's just good to see that they have some people that are in their employ and 
that's how they find out about all these things. And then, of course, I love the incorporation of the ejector seat, like we talked about. Any of that stuff is always really good. And then uh, <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny that Matt was worried about the the damage to Rhino's controls more than T-Bob. E- even more <laughs> worried more about the monkey than T-Bob. But uh, right. poor T-Bob never gets any any, any clout. Break. That's <laughs> yeah. It. So uh, anyway, we uh, fade back up on the second half of the episode as the stone continues to go over and seemingly crush T-Bob. Right, with Scott worried until it lifts up with T-Bob saying, Hey, uh, this thing must be hollow. It's light as a feather. Let me try it, T-Bob. What are you going to do with it? Just watch. I wonder if they're all like that. Pondering if they are all as light, Scott grabs another and gives it a roll, as T-Bob puts it. Scott is ecstatic, saying it's like having superpowers. The stone bounces off of the slab with T-Bob saying he's three times stronger than he looks. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, about that. Uh, (laughs) Then Scott ponders if he can move the slab in which Venom and the natives are trapped. Ever curious, Scott wonders where the steps lead with the good conscience T-Bob saying, don't get any ideas. Scott stops him to listen. Uh, We hear the native father speaking with T-Bob, thinking it's ghosts. Scott (laughs) props the slab up with T-Bob saying that the ghosts are warning them. The ever-optimistic Scott believes it's Matt and the gang who have found another way in. Mm -hmm. We see an exuberant... I I don't know how you get down and up those stairs, but anyway, the stairwell that went on for a lifetime, the duo get (laughs) to the bottom and we hear the the native father say, it is as I told you. And T-Bob spookingly, but it made me actually chuckle the way he says it. See, that's not your dad. Uh, (laughs) Scott suggests that uh, they see what's going on. People who do things at midnight in caves don't like you to know what's going on. That is the stone of the gods, which makes all other stones dance when the moon is full. The stone fell from the sky before time began, and my people placed it here. Very interesting. Then T-Bob mumbles mayhem with Scott shushing him and asking how they got there, uh, with a quick reply from T-Bob saying... Uh, how do we get out of here? Yeah, right. And then Miles states how it works by the shape of the room being a radio collector, which collects the light, which I actually thought was a good input. Because that's actually, you know, mm-hmm. they don't really typically get into too many of the technical terms or techniques and, and stuff. So I actually liked how they added that and put that, script-wise, they put that in, in to explain yeah. how it all worked. I think he called it an antenna at one point as well. Perhaps. Which, you know, made sense that uh, it was like a collection point. Mm-hmm. In other words, for the energy. Well, we're taken back to the ground level where Mask is returning to camp with Hondo saying that... That pyramid was nothing but one dead end after another. Yes, but don't you marvel at how a primitive people could have built such wonders? Each stone weighs tons. They must have been real healthy guys. Hey, what's going on here? He uh, 
leans back against Rhino to relax for a minute, and his weight actually pushes the truck back and almost over. Yeah. He wonders uh, what's going on as Matt walks over a Rhino from its front bumper with one hand. Alex says, uh, extraordinary, as Matt wonders if he could uh, change the oil while he's at it. <laughs> right. I just thought that was a comical moment. Mayhem says the stone is the key to its power, and Scott and T-Bob, they're still looking on. Mayhem instructs Rax and Dagger to go get the stone, and uh, Rax and Dagger slip because it's, uh, I guess, a pretty smooth service, almost, I guess, like a mirror, and uh, they slide into the middle where this pillar is, where the stone rests. The duo, they giggle a little bit, and T-Bob says he always knew they were slippery characters. Uh-huh. Rolling my eyes. <laughs> uh, Scott tells him to call Matt, and that they need to stop them. And then they turn to exit the tunnel. Back up at mask camp above ground, Alex says that Scott and T-Bob are gone after looking inside the tent. What? Where on earth have they gone? We better spread out and search. Well, I at this point was like, what happened to calling them? They're, you know, they Scott told T Bob to call him on his little radio. Right. Um, they didn't really mention that again. And I thought maybe, well, they're underground and they had issues with them trying to call in before. So maybe that was why maybe the call didn't go through or something, but they didn't really. They didn't even try. Use that as a story. No. Uh, back inside the chamber, Dagger says the stone must have been uh, super glued to its pedestal. As they try to pry it up, Mayhem tells them to keep working or they'll be stuck down there for another day. And just then above, the uh, clouds are now covering the moon and the place goes dark. Mayhem wonder what's happening and the old man says the power only works when the moonlight is directly shown onto the stone. And uh, we head back above ground. Matt and the mask agents find the entrance, but without the moonstone working, the lid slams shut and they can't get inside. Come on, they must have gone down there. Oh, drat. Hurry up and raise it. Whatever caused the stones to be weightless has stopped. They try to lift it as Scott and T-Bob now approach the entrance from below. Back in the chamber, Rax has had enough, and he uses stiletto to break like this huge chunk of the stone off the pedestal. Rax, you idiot! If you damage that stone... I got the stupid thing off, didn't I? This thing is heavy! We're gonna need help! So what she does is use the whip mask to basically rope him uh, around the waist and then pull him up from this like crater area while Dagger's carrying the stone. Uh, I thought that was a little inventive um, that she can control it that way. It was very... Well, we know that they, she can control whip. We saw it in the last episode where she was able to grab all those cannonballs and throw it and just place yeah. it into the back of Manta. But what I didn't like in this little era, it was it was just because it's 
seems like it was a bad edit. As just as Dagger is starting to state that it's heavy and begins to ask Vanessa for the help, she's already whip on. Yeah. She, it's like she didn't even, or he didn't finish the sentence. So I don't know if that was a bad edit or gotcha. if it was intentional, like, oh, enough with this guy, whip on, <laughs> you know, that kind of scenario. Yeah, I didn't I didn't notice that, but uh it, that's hap- I know that's happened before with uh masks activating before they even give the command kind mm-hmm. of a thing, you know. But uh anyway, we go back above ground now. Hondo's behind the wheel of Rhino. Right, where they have MacGyvered a pulley lift with Rhino's winch. Hondo begins lifting in the slab and then the clouds push away from the moon, which gives the weightless power back to the stones. Matt and Alex quip about getting a timetable. Then Matt instructs Hondo to lock the winch just in case. We then see Scott saying, hey, Dad, then <laughs> running up the steps. Scott fills him in on Venom, stealing a rock down in the chamber. Uh, Hondo now exits, curiously enough, on the passenger side of Rhino. <laughs> um, but I can't say too much. You know, I used to watch my Dukes of Hazard and watching the cops, Roscoe or Enos or someone, they typically would race into their cop cars. Not always, but typically they would go from the passenger door, slide over that old bench into the driver's spot. It's, <laughs> to this day, I know it was for comic value, but I'm like, yeah, yeah, that was more roll my eyes, you know, episode two. Stop that. Yeah. A lot easier to do with those bench seats than uh, bucket seats. <laughs> and I can still do that with my old 78. <laughs> <laughs> but as we digress again, uh, Hondo now tosses Ultra Flash and Jackrabbit masks to their owners. Matt, Alex, catch! And we then hear a mechanical latch sound when Matt puts on his mask, which I didn't understand. It sounded like the the lift, you know, in the cars when they're yeah. getting it on. It didn't make sense. I understand the suit possibly doing it, but who who other mask does that? That weak, weak, whatever. Yeah, it was, I noticed that too, and it kind of bugged me as well. Um, it was more like a clicking in place or, mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it, Definitely to a mechanical of, sound. Right. To me, it was just totally out of place. Yeah, that not really needed. Uh, if they were in the, if they were getting the masks from the vehicle like they've done before, and we've heard that sound before, yeah, but not just uh, when you're just putting it on. But I don't know. Maybe the masks do kind of click in place with their flight suits. You know, I don't know. It's something to think about. I guess. I guess. So Matt begins to instruct Scott, but then he interrupts. Now, Scott. I know, I know. I'll stay up here. When the team enters <laughs> into, into the stairwell, we, we cut back to Venom as they are walking towards the stairwell with Miles saying that the powers are back and that they can lift the stone since the power has returned. Matt interrupts, saying that they've done that. Small face-off. <laughs> with It was actually kind of cool. They have a small face-off, then a scowl from Mayhem saying, Ah! How did Mask get here? Yeah, Rax is quick, which was actually actually very impressive. But Rax was quick to use Stiletto, who shoots the darts, and it actually makes a smoke screen. I'd never uh, remember seeing that before. No, but that was actually uh, this, very impressive. Uh, 
it's almost like tear gas or something. Uh, so he has, I, I don't know. I, I guess his darts are, uh, sometimes they're actual darts. Sometimes they're lasers. I don't know. Lasers. It seems like, right. And, and now having, uh, tear gas darts, you know, almost it's like, uh, it's like, uh, Hawkeye from, uh, the Avengers that has all the different kinds of, uh, arrows to shoot from his bow, you know, right. <laughs> got different darts. He can shoot out of his helmet anyway. So the smoke screen, um, yeah, we see the smoke screen with Venom threatening the native father to find another exit. As they are exiting, Venom runs with Miles turning to Vanessa saying that I have a brilliant idea. Lock the moonlight from above and Mass will never get out. I'll take care of it. And mm-hmm. Vanessa just runs off and does that. And then we are taken back to Mask where the native father starts to shout, Intruders! We are not with the evil ones. We will do everything in our power to return the stone to you if you help us. We flip back and forth. We do a lot of flipping back and forth now. Yeah, uh, stops. Yeah, which I, I like it. It keeps it going, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. But anyway, Vanessa stops at the primary, I call it the, the primary light port where the initial light comes in, the moonlight comes in, mm-hmm. and looks around for something to block the moonlight, which was actually a good touch with the with the animation that she you know actually takes the time to look and then she finds one of the large round calendars the discus and uses whip to grab it and then she physically carries the stone and throws it over the hole which causes the power to cease and then we're taken back into the chamber where hondo states that it that it looks like a brownout Right, and the place goes dark again as the uh, old man assumes they blocked off the moonlight. They have cut off the moonlight to trap us here forever! Now I know you are not with the evil ones. Back above ground, we see Venom rush to their vehicles. Rax hops on Piranha and tells Mayhem he's worried that Mask will find a way to escape. And Miles tells him to go and disable their vehicles just in case. Now, I like this. This is some smart thinking by him. You know, Mask always seems to find a way out. Well, let's get one step ahead of them and uh, damage their vehicle so they can't follow us. Well, and then they made a little mistake here, too. Rax takes off. He nears Rhino and shouts stiletto fire. Right. But he fires the sidecar lasers. Yeah, I didn't understand um, why why they made that mistake. I mean, obviously it was, but... Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. know why they didn't catch it in the edits. Yeah, I mean it's like you said, it's it's an obvious mistake, but didn't really take anything away from the scene. He uh, no. snaps the rope, holding up the entrance stone, and then he fires again to flatten Rhino's front tire. Now below, amazing! They harnessed the power of the moon to build their great pyramids. They have learned the secret of the stones. Even these remaining pieces of the stone have incredible power, but only if the moonlight strikes them. Well then, let's shed a little moonlight on the subject. Blaster, fire! And he uses his blaster mask now to break the stone above that was uh, covering the hole, and the moonlight now goes back down to this chamber. Uh, we cut over to Venom again. Mayhem is helping Dagger load the stone into Switchblade. 
Scott and T-Bob are looking on behind some of those circular stones that they had before. And Scott says, now it's time to concentrate, T-Bob. And they launched these stones towards Venom. One heavily damages Jackhammer, and the other one hits Piranha. Venom looks on, and Dagger says, "Hey, an ancient robot." As the as the duo, I can't. I don't understand how they don't know that Scott and T Bob are when they see these two and this, you know, this is walking uh, trash can come around. They know that Mask isn't too far behind. You know, right? This uh, this I, I think know. is the third time they've at least seen these people or the the, the, the yeah. duo. Anyway, Mask now exits the tunnel below, and they run to Rhino. Well, Hondo, he kind of throws aside the winch rope, and Matt hops into the, I think what you call the fifth wheel buggy, and detaches it from Rhino, and the other two agents ride along as they speed away. What I liked about this scene, though, they, you see, I call it the mechanics of it, you see Matt push a couple buttons on the dash, basically getting it started up. And then you also see underneath under the axle, you see all the, the linkages disconnect so that it can actually separate off of the Rhino chassis yeah. and go take off. That was actually very, very cool. I like, I like seeing the mechanics of how things work. Uh, we I, come back I to, agree. yeah, we come back to Venom and our duo. They launch another pair of stone discs, but Vanessa uses her whip mask to knock them down. Mask approaches with Hondo shooting blaster, shouting, Blaster, fire! Again, a little uh, mis, uh, misquote there, because it's usually blaster on for mask. But there's also a latency here, because you know he, the mask shoots before he even says the command. Anyway, mm-hmm. they load up the stone and climb into Switchblade, uh, as well as Manta, and run off as Mask approaches, and Scott says that they are out of range. Matt jokes that they look like they are practicing for the Olympic discus event. And this is them joking about the uh, calendar stones being tossed. Yeah. Dear me, it looks as though Venom has finally beaten us. We certainly can't chase them in this. The evil ones will not leave. The arms of the moon power reach only to the boundary of our city. That's when we turn to Switchblade making a pass with Miles gleefully chuckling that it'll take days for them to leave the jungle while he will have robbed half the world. Suddenly Switchblade mm-hmm. begins to quake. It also loses a little bit of altitude with Miles saying he's at full power but falling. And this this <laughs> was actually a great clip here when we see Switchblade actually fall and then exploding at the on the a force bed. I, I like that too. It it didn't show. It wasn't really an explosion. It was more of a, a smoke, just kind of billowing up from the wreckage. I thought I saw a small explosion, but that's okay. could have been. Uh, we are taken to the ground where we see a very beat up switchblade with the stone glowing, and Miles just laying on the ground. Manta pulls up with Vanessa saying, it Looks like the bottom fell out of another plan. The stone is too unpredictable. It suddenly turns super heavy. Let's get out of here. Uh, I still thought that was too short, but 
being that they only had one good vehicle left, perhaps it actually was wise to retreat this time, unlike right, any other right. time that they do it. I thought it was better this time, and he actually gave a reason why they ran off than right. just, you know. Uh, Mask is winning! Time to go home. Let's get out of here! Yeah. <laughs> so we cut back to the stone being dragged behind the tandem or fifth wheel buggy with all but Alex riding along. Uh, Alex is now walking alongside with the natives, stating that it's part of a collapsed star, which is the heaviest substance known at, at the time, adding that the small piece weighs tons. The Mayans had discovered that that stone works only when in proper alignment with the moon, and that particular spot where the Mayan pyramids were happens to be that particular little piece on Earth. So this chunk of star is useless anywhere else. Well, I guess that'll teach Venom to try to catch a falling star. And we fade off with Matt and Scott looking at each other. You can see uh, in that shot, you see Scott winking. Right. But it's a still. So it's almost like they didn't want to go, oh, geez, or whatever the yeah the outtake was supposed to be. And that leads us I kind of like that better than the chuckle that they always do at the end. It was just more of a, oh, yeah, here goes T-Bob again. And, you know, just give him a little wink and zoom in rather than a laugh and zoom out, which they do in most episodes. True. And that takes us to our PSA. Right. And we go back to the tracker mansion. Uh, Scott finds a toy car at the top of the staircase. And he starts to scold T-Bob for leaving his toys outside of the game room. T-Bob! Yes, old robot maker? You know you're not supposed to leave our toys lying around outside the game room. It's dangerous. Somebody could trip over one and fall. T-Bob complains that he forgot one little toy and he has to get a lecture (laughs) as he's walking down the stairs. Well, there's a roller skate, I think it was. Yep. Still there, and he steps on that and, of course, takes a tumble to the bottom of the staircase. And he finally says, okay, okay, so I forgot two toys. Fade out for the uh, end of the episode. So you were at a uh, 4.5 at halftime. Where did you go from here to uh, to the final rating? Well, I'll give my synopsis. This was a better episode than what we've seen for a little bit. Uh, the storyline and the plot are actually a very good uh, storyline to include the Mayan culture, give it some real realism there, especially since uh, you know history tells us that they were the ones that actually did create the the calendars. Uh, and the use of that location just seemed to be a, a a great way to to I guess make it specifically where they unlock the power of that that star. Yeah. It was also a nice technical ad with them saying it was a radio collector and that the cloud cover will actually affect its power. The duo are actually useful in this episode, unlike just being part of the gag reel. Agreed. Uh, it was also pretty cool to see how everything was affected by the weightlessness. It wasn't just limited to the stones. You know, we see Rhino, for instance, was, I mean, you wouldn't think that you lean up against a freaking 10 ton truck and it sh- just moves off. <laughs> um, but it, it didn't seem to apply when 
when it was being carried out or when Switchblade was flying. That's the piece I didn't quite like. Yeah. You know, it, even though it was in direct sunlight or moonlight, it seemed like it didn't have the channeled power. I don't know how to, but it, it, it's, like, it's like it worked on Rhino, but didn't work on Switchblade. You'd think Switchblade would be, would be like not even needed to be started up. Yeah, and on that note, I'll stop you for a second um, if we really want to nitpick, but (laughs) there's really, I don't know, the weightlessness of the stones, you know, the whole drama at the halftime was that, oh no, T-Bob's going to get crushed, but hey, these are weightless. So how are weightless objects able to smash like Piranha and Jackhammer? Very true. I don't know. You would think it would just kind of bounce off them. If they were, if they didn't weren't heavy, so I don't know. It that was more of a tick to me. I didn't let it pull me out of the episode too much, and I made a note. And you know, obviously, we're talking about it afterwards. But that was just uh, there were some things back and forth with the episode about what was supposed to be weightless, what wasn't, and how much damage could an object like that really do? You know? Right. Anyway, keep going, sir. Um, okay, so we get to see... We also got to see how the startup and the mechanical release of the tandem car or the fifth-wheel buggy works. That was actually very awesome. The little mm-hmm. the little quick uh, mask versus venom face-off was actually a very nice ad uh, when they first meet up down, down in the, the, the tomb or the stairwell. The vehicle crashes and them being crippled was awesome. I love the realism there. Um, mm-hmm. The stiletto dart smoke stream was a nice ad. That was the good stuff. <laughs> the bad stuff that I saw is when, when I saw Dagger asking Vanessa for help. Obviously, it was just it seemed like it was too quick of a response from mm-hmm. Vanessa. She's saying whip on. It was already on. And then, like I said, it happened again with Hondo when he went blaster fire instead of blaster on. Again, his power engaged before he even said anything. Uh, yeah. A little tick, but it still was out of place, was that, that mechanical latch sound. We mentioned him on uh, Ultra Flash being when he puts on the mask. Rack shouting stiletto fire, and it actually shoots out the piranha sub. Yeah, uh, that was out of place, and then the most obvious of them all, the PSA had nothing to do with the story. Overall, I'm at a four just because of the the mistakes there. It was very good though. I I am. It was hard not to mark it down, but uh, there was enough of it. I had to to give it a kick down. Okay. How about you? Well, I actually rated it higher than you this time. I'm, That's almost I'm, a first. It might be a second. <laughs> I'm sticking with my four and a half, and I'm going to round it up to five. And this is, uh, again, being in this stretch of episodes, I thought this was very good compared to some of the recent ones that we've reviewed. In the second half, uh, animation was still top-notch. Mm-hmm. Uh, great angles. There was another kind of under-the-fifth-wheel-buggy camera angle. Well, camera, mm-hmm. but anyway, um, when they were approaching uh, the scene there, when uh, they were battling Venom, that I really liked, and you know the the sweeping shot when Venom encounters 
uh, mask in the tunnel, I thought was another great moment. They've done that once before. Uh, I'm trying to remember which episode it was. I think it was the one with the horses uh, that they're stealing. They uh, turn a corner and there's Matt standing there. Uh, but they did it this time with all the agents. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I thought that was a really good encounter. I, I don't know. I was just impressed with the animation and the, the creativity in this episode. Uh, a lot better humor. I thought, like you did, Scott and T-Bob was used very well. Right. Uh, they established their little Frisbee throwing early. And they kind of used it throughout. So it wasn't a, wasn't really a sidebar. Uh, no, and it wasn't in the overkill. middle of an episode and it, yeah, right. It wasn't overkill. And they did it like in that first scene, you know, when they're at the tracker mansion. So it wasn't uh, in the middle of an episode where we got to, Oh, let's establish this Frisbee throwing so we can use it at the end of the episode. They did it early enough that it didn't feel forced. So I thought that was good. And they used them. Well, it was nice to see ultra flash, you know, and Matt's get up in Rhino and the fifth wheel buggy. Was hoping they would uh, use Ultra Flash. They did get somewhat of a pretty good uh, battle, you know. Uh, Hondo using Blaster. Uh, I thought we were going to get some Torch Fireballs in a couple times, but we never did. So mm-hmm. I guess I don't know. I was a little bit disappointed with uh, the balance of the mask use, and I guess they used them for more practical purposes in this episode, like Vanessa you know, roping dagger. And then she roped that stone and uh, covered up the, the hole there at that one point. I don't know. I just, I like to see them battling each other more. And we got a little bit of that, you know, like I said, with, with Hondo and then with Rax shooting those darts, but I don't know, just, uh, I wanted a little bit more. And I thought mayhem was, uh, dare I say smart in this episode, uh, <laughs> at least more logical, I would say, you know, like we discussed when they ran off at the end and then uh, him instructing Rax to disable the mask vehicles as they're trying to make their getaway. So I thought that was, it was a little more uh, sound with the overall logic that mayhem used in this episode. Um, I only counted three rolling my eyes moments, which is probably the maximum before I start deducting, <laughs> you know, half points here and there. Are you starting that, that type of counter now that you have to start rolling? We're up to five <laughs> well, rolling your eyes moments. I, I might have to just to keep track, but it usually doesn't take much, but I was like, <laughs> okay, uh, I counted three, I think along the way. So that was about the maximum before I, some other decent humor in there. So kept me entertained at least now that you know that line where they were going to call matt and never did um i wish they would have explained that a little bit more uh i think you mentioned all my texts the mechanical sound effect uh i for the most part i was pretty impressed with it like the story like the pace so i'm gonna give it a five any script similarities you found? I saw two. How about you? I got one. Go ahead with well, your first. The first one was tracker oil, even though it wasn't explicitly said. Uh, we mm-hmm. have, they're saying that he had an oil company. I imagine it was called tracker oil. 
So, uh, yeah, we we have tracker oil. That's how he gets makes his money in the script. Yeah, and that's how we kind of lead to finding Boulder Hill. Right. If I do remember. That's exactly how we that, fall find it. Yeah, that station is actually, I think if I remember right, an abandoned station, part of his, you know, tracker oil network. And that's how they, uh, they, they use that to uh, start up their that's hideout. It. That's it. One of the scenes. So. Spoiler alert. One of the scenes is that, that mm-hmm. tracker is looking over maps and a projector screen. He's putting stuff up on the screen, basically, and uh, he's looking at, over right. everything. Right. And, he, and he, you know, Alex happens to just walk in to show them prototype uh, Spectrum Two. Another spoiler alert, and in which that's he says, "Hey, this butts up against a hillside. Maybe we can do something with it. Mm-hmm. Let's go take a look." And that's how we get the Boulder Hill gas station. Is it's just an abandoned gas station uh, that happens to be up against a hillside? Yep. Yeah. The second one was the the meteor or the star collapsed star. Even though it's not really, it's it's not exactly how we use it, but it's still a a we'll call it an alien yeah. an alien object enters the orbit. There are powers to it. We use the powers differently, uh, and we said it earlier. How you know, if you do one thing, I think I think one of the th- scenarios was if we add water to it uh, with like even just a pair of sunglasses, it turns it into an X-ray type vision uh, and different battery or different substances combinations makes it do whatever else you need it to do. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we uh, like you said before we when we were initially writing the script, I don't think we got up to this mm-hmm. episodes, these larger or later episodes the, that we drew inspiration from. But that's what I noticed that it was used the meteorite in our script. And uh, it's actually the, the first scene in the movie is somewhat uh, written to be a homage to the very first scene of the series, which is that meteorite, falling to earth before they, you know, come in, we meet the, I think it was Dr. Stevens in the death stone and right. uh, Venom steals it, you know, but uh, yeah, that's, that was my similarity that I saw. Well, let's uh, run over to our poll real quick and then we'll get, dive into these comments. Uh, we had 14 votes, five votes for a five, six votes for a four, Two threes and one one. Wow. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with that. But um, so if you do the math there, that's about 79% uh, voted at four or five. So I guess the majority of people uh, agreed with us. And uh, we got three comments this week. And the first uh, being uh, Eric over at boulderhill.net. First off, I w- I should say, that I am a bit biased about this episode. It was one of the episodes I had recorded on VHS as a kid, so I watched it a lot. All that said, I think there are still some great aspects to this episode. The setup is interesting, having Matt, Alex, and Hondo out exploring. It's different than many typical episodes. 
I also love the mood and the atmosphere of this episode. A lot of it takes place at night and it portrays a great spooky vibe. We also get a funny scene where a lizard climbs up Rax. I guess I missed the lizard. That was in the hut. Oh, okay. Scott and T-Bob. Yeah. I knew something got him, but I didn't see what. Uh, Scott and T-Bob are both prominent in this episode, which is not usually a good thing. But in this case, they're actually tolerable and genuinely helpful at the end. We get a lot of cool mask usage, which is always great. Very I, I should have commented that you actually got the mask use. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not perfect. The scene with the ejector seat and the monkey, that part is a little too silly. Sadly, there is no team call-up since mm-hmm. Matt is already in the field with Alex and Hondo. And the final problem is that despite getting away from mask, when the stone turns heavy and crashes switchblade, Mayhem just gives up. So with all that taken into account, I rated Secret of the Stones a 4 out of 5. Although, if you asked 7-year-old me, I probably would have given it a 5 out of 5. <laughs> Very good. And you're that right. A- uh, I meant to mention in my notes that you know we finally get a lot more mask usage than we have in the past. It seems like it's been all about the vehicles or whatever, not actually mask. Hence the name. I don't know. I just like to see, I guess, the main characters, which would be Matt and Mayhem, do a little more battle with their masks mm-hmm. directly. We see them a lot in the air, dogfighting, you know, and squaring off, but uh, we don't get that back and forth. And I thought with uh, Torch and with uh, Blaster, we could have got some back and forth there. And But I don't know. It They did use them more than... They have in the last few episodes, definitely. Um, and then, yeah, I did. I meant to mention in my notes as well that there was no call-up scene, but I, for me, I didn't really miss it. Not in this which one. Is surprising. Either. Yeah. I usually gripe when they don't put it in there because it is one of those things that uh, probably ninety percent of the episodes have, and kind of ties them together. You know, you're looking for that like we said many times, that Voltron sequence, you know, right. where you're looking for uh, Optimus to say, roll out. And, what you know, there's just those consistencies that we are used to. And Mask is doing that, even though they're <laughs> sometimes silly, those call-up scenes uh, is definitely part of the show. But I didn't, I don't know. I guess it was just, uh, since they're all traveling together and it wasn't, Matt or, and you know, maybe one other agent that's on scene and they have to call somebody to help. I didn't really miss it, I guess. So anyway, um, takes us over to Anna. Anna says, this is a really entertaining episode that I remember very well from my childhood. Firstly, I like the scene with Venom when they give money to their spy. Venom is, like Mask, a wealthy organization, but it's sad that we never get to see their main headquarters and if they have a similar room to energize their masks. That's a good point. We have, there's a couple, uh, well, they had that huge sub in one of those episodes with all their little minions on board, you know? Uh, They had that transforming oil rig out in the ocean. You know, we've seen a few of their 
I would what I would call their hideouts or bases, but they've never really had a main headquarters opposite Boulder Hill. You know, right. there was Castle Grayskull, there was Snake Mountain. But uh, anyway, back to what uh, Anna was saying. Uh, I also like the scene when the stone falls on Vanessa and Rax and Dagger ask her what happened. As an adult, I also see that this episode has some flaws. The first and the most important flaw is that all the time would have been very easy for both Mask and Venom to use their masks to get out of the cave. And I don't understand why Venom don't take that into consideration when they trap them. Very true. Uh, Yeah, I mean... Heck, they have the Venom mask or the Viper mask. That has acid. They could have eaten the way out of the door. Um, they only disable their vehicles as an extra precaution, even though it should be obvious for them that Mask will get out rather quickly. Secondly, I think Mayhem gives up a little too soon this time. He abandons the stone because it's too unpredictable, but he hasn't yet been told that it doesn't work outside the precise spot. I suppose it would have been a problem for Venom to take the stone with them in Manta if they had wanted to. And thirdly, the large calendar rocks seem to have shrunk enormously at one point when Scott and T-Bob are carrying them. I suppose this is just a result of bad animation. In spite of the flaws, I still enjoy watching this episode and really like the story as a whole. I therefore gave it a four. So that was uh, Anna's take. Glad to have Anna back Mm -hmm. after going MIA for a couple podcasts. But uh, I always like her viewpoint and right some very good points there uh i didn't think about them trying to drag that stone off in manta but i don't know i kind of that too unpredictable uh reasoning i guess worked for me uh more than her uh then we had one final commenter chad seen or sign i apologize Mm -hmm. if i'm not pronouncing it right but he writes pretty good episode a couple hiccups here and there most notably, when Rax calls for Stiletto to fire, yet the blast clearly comes from the Piranha sidecar. I like the Indiana Jones feel it had with the stone only being powerful at this location. The animation and art style was pretty good, too. Not nearly as refined as the team responsible for Vanishing Point or Lost Riches of Rio, but still pretty good. As a diehard T-Bob fan, I'm not joking, put him in a wetsuit or PJs, and I'll always get a kick out of it. (laughs) I think both he and Scott played decent roles in this episode. Even the puns were at a minimum. Again, I love T-Bob and tend to find the puns amusing. I particularly liked the one where the monkey was using his head. I have a theory about the dynamic duo. However, it's rather in-depth, and I will share it later if you're interested. And to add to that, he actually wrote in our uh-huh. Q&A portion, said that he was not able to post it for whatever reason, but he's going to send us a message for that. So if you have that available, I don't have Facebook up. Uh, no, I didn't. He said he was going to post it uh, later, so I don't have his little theory about uh, Scott and T-Bob yet. But uh, very, very interesting that uh, he he thought the I, I had at one point thought about Indiana Jones and Last Crusade when they 
get the Holy Grail and they can't, you know, remove it from the temple. And obviously they do. And the place comes crashing down, but I don't know. I have this, uh, <laughs> conspiracy theory that, uh, <laughs> several different, you know, movies and such stole from mask. But, uh, oh, yeah. I suppose that, uh, a lot of these ideas and, uh, story points came from other things, you know, as well. But I thought that was funny that he mentioned that, but, uh, thank you, Chad, for, uh, for chiming in on this episode. Yeah. I think that uh, about does it. It it does, but I want to do give a shout out while we have you. Um, we have four people live watching us. Well, three actually. And Chad is actually watching us live as well as John Spencer O'Neill and Matthew H. Wanted to give you guys a shout out and thank you for cool joining and watching alongside of beside us watching our bloopers and gags and whatever else in between. <laughs> yeah, that's um, great. Uh, yeah, always, that's... always glad to hear new people uh, joining us. And uh, again, if you're watching this after the fact, we appreciate it too. And you can always leave a comment on YouTube several people I know that uh, actually didn't know about the podcast and only just thought this was over YouTube. So if you're watching this on YouTube later, you can also download the podcast on your favorite podcast app and actually get the clips that I add in painstakingly sometimes uh, (laughs) (laughs) to make it a, a fun listening experience. But, uh, Thank you so much, and uh, we will hopefully be back in the studios before too long. And uh, as we're trying to get through this season five of Mass Cast, we've only got uh, what uh, four episodes left now to review mm-hmm. before we try to get them done for the end of the year. Uh, the next one will be number forty-seven, The Lost Fleet. And this one, Mask tries to stop Venom who is searching in Iceland for the legendary golden fleet of ships. So I'm not sure if there's any mystical properties or if this is just a a pure wealth uh, (laughs) mission to try to cash in on this golden fleet. But uh, I guess we'll see. And I want to say, if memory serves me correctly, that... uh, Bruno Shepard makes an appearance uh, in this episode for Venom and the Stinger vehicle. Uh, be the, I haven't looked ahead, so I don't know. I think it uh, just again. This is just from my memory scrolling through episodes, uh, montage videos I've done for our YouTube channel. Um, I was thinking I remember seeing him out on a, a, an icy lake or something in the stinger vehicle but anyway uh i guess we'll find out if i'm right or not (laughs) i know i know we are still waiting to get julio lopez i believe that's gonna happen before episode 50 yeah so i i can't remember if it's this episode or maybe one closer towards the uh towards 50 before we see him but i'm pretty sure he's gonna show up pretty soon as well so uh good to see uh, more agents getting involved as we get closer to uh, finishing out this season of Mass Cast. I agree. Really just about wraps it up for us. Mm-hmm. 
once again, I want you guys to be encouraged to to go out and get a at least the first copy of Mighty W and the comics coming out. At least give it a fair shot. Keep the franchise going. Otherwise, thank you once again for joining us and watching us. And we will see you next time on MassCast. Get here. All I care about is how we get back up there.